Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. How's everybody doing today? A lot of coffee drinking I see going on out there this morning. Those of you that are at home watching online and you couldn't quite bring yourself to get out of bed when you needed to in order to be here when you needed to be here, that's okay. Uh, we're thankful that we can be with you. But next week, we, we want to see you back here. Anybody want to, to join me? I think I'm going to start a petition to just, I want to be like Arizona and just not do daylight savings time. Like, it's just like, let's just leave it where it is. Why do we have to mess with it? Anybody with me? Does anybody prefer falling back and springing forward? Two people. You can, you can move to a state where they do it. Nebraska, I've declared, is no longer doing daylight savings time. Let it be said, let it be written, let it be done, right? That's, that's what we're going to do. Hey, listen, before we get into the word today, I do want to, to bring your attention to one of the announcements that was in the buzz, the Pine Ridge missions trip that will be taking place the end of June. Pastor Dobie is leading a team, and it's not just us, but it's, it's different churches from different places. We're all kind of converging on the, the Pine Ridge Reservation. If you've never if you've never been there, if you've never seen anything about it, I would encourage you, go to YouTube and Google it. One of the, one of the first things you'll find is new specials talking about the, the living conditions and, and the alcoholism rate and the unemployment rate. I think the unemployment rate is something crazy, like 97% unemployment up there. Like there's, there's literally like nothing for them. I've, I've been on missions trips around the world. I, I, I went on a missions trip to Africa a little over like 12 years ago. And, and being over there and seeing, you know, in the cities, but then going out into to the rural communities and seeing some of those things, I'll tell you what, like I've, I've been third world and I've been Native American reservation and there's really not much difference. There's really not much difference. And it's not just Pine Ridge, it's not just South Dakota, but even the, the largest Native American reservation in this country, the Navajo Reservation. There's, there's a friend of ours that is, is raising funds to even be able to, to give clean drinking water, access to clean water to, to all the people living on the reservation because so many of them have no access to running water, they have no access to drinking water. And so we understand and, and part of who we are is Dream City, and part of what God has uniquely crafted and gifted and equipped us to do is to, to really be able to be a bridge into Native American communities, being Native American ourselves. And so what we're wanting to do is go up there and just love on the community, just serve the community, be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And as they gather for, for their ceremonies and as they gather to celebrate in their powwows, we're just going to be there to love them and, and have an opportunity to plant seeds, sow seeds, invite them to a service, share the gospel with them, and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. And so that's the last week of June. If you're interested, we, we did have an interest meeting this week, but if you weren't able to attend that or maybe you were unaware of it, that's okay. Uh, see Pastor Renee. Pastor Renee is our worship pastor. She was leading worship this morning. So uh, see Pastor Renee. She'll be able to get you all of the information if you're interested in being a part of that. Sound good? Awesome. Angel encouraged you to say yes today. You didn't know what you were saying yes to, but now you're saying yes to Pine Ridge. So there you go. <laughs> Today we're going to get into the Word. We, we're going to continue our, our chronological study uh, of God's Word. If you're joining us just recently, maybe you're watching online, share, uh, a friend shared the video. We've been going through the Bible chronologically together. One of the things that God is, has called us to do this year is to read through His Word chronologically. And so starting January 1st, we began reading through it. If you need a copy of the reading plan, you can find them across the foyer at the Welcome Center. You can also find it on our app. But we've been studying God's Word chronologically. How many of you enjoyed, have, have been enjoying that? God's been speaking to you. You've been a part of that. Listen, my heart and my prayer for you, every time I, I pull out my Bible or I open the, the Bible app and I start reading, God, number one, show me something from your word today. God, speak to me through your word today. May it come alive to me today. May it not just be words on a page, but the living, active, breathing word of God inspired by you. And, and then my second prayer is for you guys. God, as your people read your word. And as they 
as they dive deeper into your character and, and as you reveal things to them, would you create in them such a passion for your word? Would you create in them a hunger for your word? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Thank you, Pastor Dovey. Filled. They will be filled. And so my prayer is as you're, as you're going through this chronological reading plan, that it would create a hunger for more of God's word in you. But we, this week, we, we finished up the book of Numbers. We started the book of Deuteronomy. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, Numbers covers like 38 years. It's the, the narrative. It's the story of this journey through the wilderness as God has set the Israelites free, brought them out of slavery in Egypt, across the Red Sea, birthed them as, as really a nation, led them to this place. And, and last week, Pastor Doby talked to us about defining moments. There are those defining moments in our lives. He, he says, you know, oftentimes we're presented with great opportunities. They just happen to look like great obstacles to us. He said that the things that we focus on are magnified, that, that we not only do we see what we seek, but what we see becomes larger. And how as the spies went into the promised land in Numbers chapter 13, they came back and two of them said, man, this is perfect. It's a, it's a great land. It's, look, at the, look at the size of these grapes. Can you, can, you, can you believe this? And those two men were Joshua and Caleb. And the other 10 who went in came back and they said, yeah, but there's giants in the land. The descendants of the Nephilim are in the land. Their, their cities have walls. They're fortified. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. It began to, to sow this, this report that discouraged the nation of Israel. So they said, you know, take us back to Egypt. We want no part of this. There's no way we can do that. And God said, okay, because of your disbelief, what's going to happen now is where it would take you a week to get there. It's now going to take you 40 years of wandering through the wilderness until this generation dies and a new generation rises who is willing to fight, who is willing to put in the work, who is willing to trust me, who is willing to walk by faith and not by sight, who is willing to, to recognize that their God is greater than any God that might be in the land or any foreign army that might be in the land. And until this generation rises, you are going to wander in the desert. And Numbers shows that. They wander and they, they're in this wilderness and then they go to this wilderness and they're here and they're there and they're everywhere and God is dwelling in their midst nevertheless in spite of their rebellion. Deuteronomy, we, we start this week, we've started this week and, and Deuteronomy is, is kind of, it, it doesn't take 38 years, it's really Moses's last words because now Moses can't come into the promised land. Right? You remember he's at the rock and God tells him, speak to the rock and I'll bring water. But what does Moses do? Stupid rock. And he hits it. Water comes out and God says, because you've disobeyed, now you can't enter the promised land. And what's funny when you read the book of Deuteronomy, I want you to, to, to take note of this, how many times Moses reminds the Israelites, because Deuteronomy really is Moses giving three speeches. It's them camped right on the border of the, the promised land, and it's his final instruction. He says, listen, I can't go across with you, but before you do, let me, number one, remind you of where we've been. Number two, let me, let me encourage you to recommit what we've, what we've said to God and the, the law and worshiping him and the festivals and all of those things. And then number three, here's what's going to happen when you get over there. If you obey, things will be good. If you disobey, things will be bad. And as you read Deuteronomy, I want you to take note of how many times Moses reminds them that he can't go with them. And not just, not just does Moses say, I can't go with you, but what Moses says is, it's your fault that I can't go. That's what, that's what Moses does. He says, it's your fault. He said, it's because of you that God's anger burned in me. Like Moses, they didn't hit the rock, bro. You did. How many times do we try and shift the blame to people around us, right? But Moses says, listen, because you are so stubborn and because you are so frustrating in my frustration towards you, you caused me to hit the rock and then therefore God won't let me go. So really, this is your fault. So we began reading Deuteronomy. I want to encourage you as we continue to, to read Deuteronomy. In just a few weeks, we're going to be talking about Joshua, one of my favorite one of my favorite 
books of the, not just the Old Testament, but really of the Bible as well. So want to continue, uh, encourage you as you continue to, to read. Today we're going to be in Numbers chapter 32. And while Numbers shows 38 years in the, the wanderings through the wilderness and God's provision in that time and his presence that is leading and guiding and dwelling in their midst, they, they've moved north from the wilderness and north towards the promised land. And rather than going west, they've gone east. And the promised land border on the west was the Mediterranean Sea. On the east was the Jordan River. And they've kind of, kind of come around the side. They're camped in the plains of Moab looking over the Jordan River. On the other side of the river is the land that God has promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now extends to them. And all they have to do is cross this river, walk into the promised land. Jericho is just in the distance, and that's where we find ourselves in in our text today. Numbers chapter 32, I'm going to begin reading in verse number one, but here's what the Bible says. Says that the Reubenites and the Gadites, who are they? They are the, it's the tribe of Reuben, the descendants of Reuben, and the descendants of Gad, the tribe of Gad, who had very large herds and flocks, saw the lands of Yazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the community, and here's what they said Ataroth, Divon, Yazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elela, Sabom, Nebo, Bayon, the land the Lord has subdued before us, before the people of Israel, these lands that we currently find ourselves in, they're suitable for livestock. Now remember, they're not in the promised land yet. They have not yet crossed the Jordan River. They are still camping on the east side. Can they see it? Yes. Have they, have they taken in possession of it? No. They can see into the promised land, but they said, hey, the lands that we're currently in, they're suitable for livestock, and it just so happens that your servants, we, have livestock. Verse number five, they said, if we have found favor in your eyes, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not, listen to this, do not make us. Do not make us. Another translation says, do not ask us. Don't ask us to cross the Jordan River. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we, as we examine your word, as we study your word, God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, no matter where we find ourselves at. Those that are here in person, those that are, are watching online, those that are watching later in the week, God, as we, as we hear your word, read your word, I pray, God, that you would, you would accomplish your purpose through your word. That as your word goes forth, I thank you that it does not return into you void. But Lord, would it penetrate our hearts and penetrate our minds and penetrate our lives like that double-edged sword. God, this morning, I pray that you would create in us a passion and a desire for your word. God, I pray that you would encourage those that need to be encouraged, challenge those that need to be challenged. But no matter what, none of us would leave this place or turn this off the same way as we were when we came in, but that we would leave challenged and changed and affected and transformed by the power of your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So Reuben and Gad, they, they come to Moses and they've traveled north along the east side of the Jordan. Now, now, geographically, what you have to understand is we learn from the text that they have livestock. They've got a, a lot of a lot of sheep, a lot of cows, a lot of goats, a lot of, a lot of animals that are in their care and that they have taken possession of. On the east side of the Jordan River, what you will find is there are, are tributaries of the Jordan River that always, when they break off, they all extend east. You won't find any that go west towards the Mediterranean, but all of these rivers from the Jordan River will break off and, and run to the east. And so the east side of the Jordan River is well watered. The grass is tall, it's lush, there are, there are valleys, there are hills, there are places for their livestock to graze, and they, they've been camping there, they've been walking in that, they've been given victory over a couple of kings moving this way to this point, the king of Heshbon and the king of Bashan, and, and they've, they've experienced a little bit of victory, and they're now camped in this luscious land, and they come to Moses, and they're like, hey, Moses, listen, if it's okay with you, 
we would rather just stay where we're at right now. I know the promised land, and, and I know for hundreds of years, God has been telling us, I'm bringing you into a land. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. We remember the, the spies and the stories of, of when they came back and, and the fruit that they brought back with them. As, as, as little kids, we remember being in the camp and seeing the cluster of grapes being carried on a pole. And, and so we know what the land can produce, but where we are right now is kind of comfortable. We're, we're kind of good here. Look at our cows. Our cows are getting fat here. We've been given victory. Let us just stay. Don't make us, Moses, please don't make us cross the river. And you can imagine Moses in this moment is having flashbacks, right? He's already bitter because of them that he can't go into the promised land. But it's like a rerun in his mind. How many of you young people even know what a rerun is? You guys... Hey, I'm looking out, there's, there's, some, there's some people younger than me, and, and I might not be the most mature one in my family. <laughs> but I look out, and there are some people younger than me. But reruns are the, something like we don't even have to worry about. Do you remember back in the day, those of you that are mature, like Pastor Angel? <laughs> remember back in the day where you would sit down to watch your favorite show, and you'd turn it on and be like, man, I've already seen this one. Like, I don't want to sit here and watch this. Like, I've already, you don't have that anymore because you stream. Like, you're not going to get on Netflix and like, hey, you just finished this episode. Would you like to watch it again? Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> Ain't nobody does that. But I can imagine Moses in this moment is having flashbacks. Like, it's a rerun in his mind of number 13 when they came back and they're like, yeah, it's good, but we shouldn't go. Like, it would be nice, but like, it's going to be a lot of work. We should just be content to, to stay where we're at. No, no, no. Let's not even just stay where we're at. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. And, and I'm sure Moses is having these reruns in his head. We've seen to this point that God has acted on Israel's behalf. He's delivered them from slavery. He's walked with them through this journey of freedom. He's brought them to the precipice of the land that for generations he has been promising and now in order to, to cross that, once they cross that, they understand that there are battles that must be fought. There are battles that, that need to be fought to take full possession of what God has promised them. And the same is true for you and me. We in our lives have seen God move miraculously to deliver us from the slavery to sin. We've seen God move miraculously as he gives us access to freedom in our lives. John 10, Jesus said, my purpose is that you might have a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. We've seen God do that and bring us to this place of, of inheritance because that's the pattern in which God works. But we're, we're standing there and we see the inheritance and, and God has moved and now God says, okay, it's your turn. Will you Will you fight? Are you willing to do what is necessary in order to cross from where you are now to where I am bringing you to? Because between the space from where you are now to where God wants you to be in this space, there are always battles to be fought. God will move, yes, but God wants to move through you. God will have the victory, yes, but God will have the victory through you. As you move in obedience and as you put in the work and as you determine in your heart that I'm going to fight for what God has promised me, he will lead you into victory, but you must take the steps of victory. So there's always this battle to be faced. And the question that we're, we're asked through this text is, is, will you fight? It reminds me of, speaking of defining moments, one of my favorite movies, Braveheart, William Wallace. Like there, are those, there are those movies and there are those speeches in those movies that you can't help but hear them and get goosebumps, right? Like you can't hear William Wallace yell freedom and not just be like, I want to fight somebody right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear a stadium full of people chanting, Rudy, 
rude. And not like, I want to go play football right now. You can't see Rocky get up off the mat like, where are the boxing gloves? Because I'm about to do work. There are these, there are these defining moments. And, and for me, as I read this text, I think about Braveheart because William Wallace shows up and they're, they're there and they're ready for battle. He asks them, are you going to fight? And what do they say? No, we will run and we will live. The little puny guy steps out. He's like, the English are too many. They're like, no, we're not going to fight. He says, okay. He says, run, and you may live at least a while, right? And then he tells them, and he, he inspires them, and he encourages them, and he says, would you not be willing to trade all the days from this day to that lying in your deathbeds? Would you not trade all the days from this to that for one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our what? Freedom, right? Like, let's go fight now. And they all get excited. Why? Because now they, they recognize there is something worth fighting for. In your life, you need to know that there is something worth fighting for. If you find yourself in bondage and slavery and addiction and depression and anxiety today, you're not called to stay there. There is something worth fighting for. But even if the fields that you're currently walking through are lush and the grass is tall and your sheep are getting fat, there's still something worth fighting for. The question is, are you going to fight? Are you willing to fight? Are you ready to fight? Today, I want to give you one challenge and three principles. Principles, really quick, we're going to run through those, but but I want to challenge you with something today. And what I want to challenge you with is this. The challenge for you and I is we can't be content to just sit there. We can't be content to just stay in the, in the hills of Moab. We can't be content to, to look into and come to church. And every week we hear about abundance and fullness of freedom in Christ and, and the, the abundant life that God wants us to live that Jesus has paid for. We can't, we can't be to con- content to come to church and hear about that week after week after week after week after week after week after week and just be content to sit. Reuben and Gad, they come to Moses and they're like, hey, if it's okay with you, we would actually prefer to stay on this side. Don't make us cross the Jordan. And look at Moses' response in verse 6. Moses says to the Gadites and the Reubenites, should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? Are you okay letting people around you fight while you just sit here? Is that, is that really what you're asking me? Is for permission to, to just sit here while your brothers cross the river to go into battle? See, sometimes we just want to sit. As Americans, we understand like hard work, work ethic, determination, dedication, pick yourself up, bootstraps, like, right? Like we get that. You got to go to work. You got to do what you got to do. But sometimes, you know, what happens is as Christians, we can come into church and we can sit down and it's like, man, I've been been working so hard all week. I've been fighting with my boss all week. Why do I want to fight now? I've been fighting with my wife all week. Why do I want to fight now? have all this stuff going on, fighting against culture, fighting against this, fighting against that. Why do I want to fight? I'm tired of fighting. And so we come to church and it's like, pastor, feed me. I just want to sit here. Pastor, I'm, I'm exhausted. Just, just, just feed me. Let me get fat spiritually, not physically. Just feed me and then let me and then let me go. And we come to church and it's like, okay, we need to take steps of, of obedience in different areas. And, and let's take steps of obedience in the tithe. Nah. I'll just sit here and let them tithe. Okay, we need, we need to take steps of obedience. And, and as disciples of Christ, one of, the, one of the ways that we are discipled and one of the, the main ways in which we are discipled is by stepping outside of ourselves and serving others. So let's take steps of serving. No, just let me stay where I am. 
why are you trying to make me cross the river into the fullness of God's promise when I'm perfectly content to just stay right where I am? Because there's so much more that God has for you. There is so much more if you would just be willing to to step out in faith, if you would just be willing to strap on your sword, if you would just be willing to pick up the shield of faith and march into battle, there's so much more that God has for you. But we come to church and we're so content to sit. And those of you online, I love you. But at least the people here are sitting in church. There's some of you I haven't seen for two years. Like, no joke. Like, it's March. What's the date today? March 13th. It's exactly one, two years from the first Sunday that we shut down from COVID. Two years. And I know there are some of you that are watching online that I have not seen face-to-face in two years. And the question is, will you be content to just sit there? while your brothers and sisters go to war. And I love you, and I love you, and I love me. But this is a word for all of us. Because no matter who you are and where you're at and what season of life you find yourself in, there are times where it's like, I just want to sit. We can't be content with that. We've got to get up and we've got to fight. You, you know somebody that, that always runs away from a fight? Like not even, not even a fist fight. Like some of you are like, I don't know many people that fight, Pastor John. Like I'm not talking about a fist fight, but just like when the going gets tough, they turn into Johnny Tyler. You're like who's Johnny Tyler? This is Billy Bob Thornton's character in Tombstone. Remember Wyatt Earp is there and picks a fight with him in the bar and Wyatt leaves and a couple scenes later, here comes Billy Bob Thornton, Johnny Tyler walking down the street with a shotgun. Doc Holliday steps out. He's like, Johnny Tyler! Where are you going with that shotgun? And what does Johnny say? He says, Doc, I didn't know you was back in town. He says, you may go. And he says, leave the shotgun. And he puts the shotgun down and he steps away. Why? Because he thought he wanted to fight. And then when the fight really presented itself, he went Homer Simpson back into the hedges and said, no, thank you. I didn't sign up for this. You know anybody like that? Going gets tough, they just disappear. Going gets tough, they just vanish. You, you don't hear from them for six months. You, 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 you don't know where they're at or what's going on. You like being around people like that? No, you don't want to surround yourself with people like that. Why? Because when the going gets tough for you, what do they do? They run. Next thing you know, you turn around, they're gone. It's about a decade ago, me and my dad, my brother, we went hunting. And when we go hunting, there's this meat locker that we pass every time we go hunting. And we had gone out one morning and dad had shot a deer. And so we probably, we, we, we field dressed it and we brought it in. We dropped it off at the meat locker and we all three go in there. Dad says, here's what I, here's what I got a deer in the back of my truck. She said, okay, what do you want done with it? A nice lady at the counter, what do you want done with it? Well, I want 20 pounds of jerky and I want 20 pounds of sticks and then you can just grind the rest up for me. She's like, okay, would you like to pay now or pay later? He says, well, I'll pay for half of it now. So he, he gave her like $50. She said, I'll pay, I'll pay $50 now and then when I pick it up, I'll pay, I'll pay the rest. She's like, okay, we'll call you when it's done. A couple weeks later, we're out hunting again. We get a phone call. Hey, your meat's ready to be picked up. So on our way back, we th- we're going to stop. Stopped in Murray, Nebraska, small town. Some of you know where Murray is. Murray, Nebraska, stopped at this place, and we walk in, and they had one of those bells on the door that when you walk in, it's like ding, 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 ding. So dad walks in, ding, ding. I walk in, ding, ding. Jacob walks in, ding, ding. Three of us, we walk in, like camo, face paint, like all the, all the stuff. And we walk in. And out of the, the back comes this man that, like, if Goliath was alive today, like, I don't know how many cubits this guy was. It was a lot of cubits. 
And he came out and, and he had holsters, but in his holsters were not firearms. In his holsters were knives. He looked, like, he looked like a ninja with throwing knives everywhere. And he comes out and he's like, can I help you? And we're like, yeah, we're here to pick up some meat. And dad goes, I, I paid half and I'm, I'm here to pick up 20 pounds of jerky and 20 pounds of sticks. And then we're supposed to just grind the rest. And I paid $50. I paid half in advance. And he goes, well, I'm looking for your order. I don't see it. He's like, that's weird. I was here two weeks ago and I got a call and, and I'm told to pick it up. And he's like, well, what's your name? He's like, Dobie Weasel. So he's looking, he's like, oh yeah, I see it. It's right here. He said, what did you order? Dad's like, I ordered 20 pounds of jerky and 20 pounds of sticks, and I paid $50. And he goes, no, you didn't. And, he said, and Dad said, yeah, I did. I, I remember. And the guy says, no. Dad says, yeah, 20 pounds of jerky, 20 pounds of sticks. The guy says, no, 10 pounds of jerky, 10 pounds of sticks, and you didn't give $50. You only paid 20. And Dad's like, no, that's wrong. I remember. Then remember, big guy, cubits, knives. I remember it was 20 pounds, 20 pounds. I paid 50. I remember he said, I paid your mom. It was 10 pounds, 10 pounds. You paid 20 and that was my wife. And in that moment, do you know what my dad heard? He probably would have rather heard shing, shing. But what my dad heard was, ding, 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 ding. And he turned around and me and Jacob, as soon as those words came out of Goliath's mouth, that was my wife. <laughs> ding, ding, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this fight. And now he's standing there alone and he has to say, okay, well, give me my 10 and give me my 10 and I'll pay you whatever you want just to let me out of this place alive. And he comes back into the truck and we're sitting in the truck and he's like, what are you guys doing? You left me in there to fend for myself. What if something would have happened? And we're like, we would have collected the life insurance. And we're like, I got my inheritance early. <laughs> he came out, he's like, you guys are just sitting in the truck. I was in there fighting for my life and you're sitting in the truck. Moses is looking at Reuben and Gad. He's like, you just want to go sit in the truck? You just want to go sit in the truck? There's a fight to be fought. Why are you trying to go sit in the truck, Sir? Fight for your marriage. You want to go sit in the truck? Fight for your family. Fight for your kids. You just, you, are you going to be content to just sit there and let, let your wife fight? Because I promise you, your wife is fighting. Are you content to just sit there? Ma'am, are you content to just sit there while the enemy is attacking your identity each and every day? And is trying to, to tell you this is what it means to be a woman. And this is, this is what it means to be empowered. You don't need to submit to, what, what is that even? Are you content to just sit there, young person, while the enemy is, is attacking your purity? Bringing confusion to the point where it's like, I don't even know what I believe anymore. Are you content to just sit there or are you willing to fight? It's time for us to, to fight. We, we can't be content any longer to, to sit in worship. We can't be content to, to sit in response to the Great Commission. We can't be content to sit while people in our city are going to hell and don't know Jesus. We can't be content to sit when there are so many needs represented in our, in our, in our community. We can't be content to sit with what's going on in the school systems. We can't be content to sit. Are you willing to just sit there and let other people fight for justice? Are you content to just sit there and let other people fight for righteousness? Psalm says that the foundations of God's throne are what? Justice and righteousness. You content to fight for one and not the other? It's a different message for a whole different day, but we will get there. Are you fighting for righteousness as much as you're fighting for justice? 
And are you fighting for justice as much as you're fighting for righteousness because they are both the foundations of the throne of God? Are you content to just sit? It's time for us to get up. It's time for us to get back to church. It's time for us to to do war in worship. It's time for us to do war on our knees. It's time for us to get into God's word and go to war. It's time for us to pick ourselves up, no matter where we find ourselves. If we're still in the wilderness or we're in the plains of Moab, there is more that God is calling us to. And we have to be willing to do what is necessary to go from where we are to where he's calling us and be there battles in between, so be it, because I know that my God will fight with me to fight as so many weak Christians. Part of it's on church leadership. My job is to equip you. My job is to help you sharpen your own sword. My job is to help you recognize the battle. My job is to help you in your battle. But there comes a point where You have to choose for yourself. I can't fight your battles for you. I can fight with you. I can fight alongside of you. But if you turn tail and run, I thought we were fighting. What's going on? The challenge today is not to be content to just sit there. I told you I'm going to give you three principles. I'm going to give you two of them real quick, okay? First one is this. As you step into the fight, know that the fight is not over until it's over. It's not over until it's over. In the next chapter, chapter 33 of the book of Numbers, Moses is talking, and here's here's what God says to Moses. He says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all. Somebody say all. Drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Let's continue. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all of their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess. Destroy all of it. Don't rest until every high place and every idol and every sacred thing is destroyed. And then he gives them this warning in verse 55. But if you don't, if you don't heed my warnings, if you, if you give up fighting a little too soon, if you don't finish the job, the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain, will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. They will give you trouble in the land where you live. And then I will do, ouch. Then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. This is what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> Because God's plan for the inhabitants of the land was to drive them out of the land, to clear the land of their idolatry, to clear the land of their wickedness. But what happens? Israel goes in and spoiler alert, they become wicked too. They start worshiping other gods. So what does God have to do to Israel? Drive them out of the land. He says, if you don't do this, it's going to come back to haunt you. Listen, you might be walking in a little bit of freedom now, And you might have been given victory over a couple of kings and a couple of things in the past and walking in in a little bit of that fullness. But if you stop the fight now and you allow those things, you might have sacrificed a little bit of pride. But if you allow a little bit to stay there, it's going to destroy you. You can't be content. You can't let any piece of it stay. You have to be careful to drive out all of it, a little bit of sin in your life. Well, what's that going to matter? It might not matter today, and it might not catch up to you tomorrow, and it might not catch up to you next week, but I guarantee you one day that sin will be big enough to consume you and destroy you. told this story before about a friend of mine who, who had this snake, and he had this pet snake from the time it was a baby, and I don't know why, like, snakes stop. He had this pet snake and even worse, he would let this snake sleep with him in his bed. And the snake, the snake would sleep curled up at the foot of his bed. Every night he'd take it out of the cage, put it in his bed. He'd sleep curled up on the foot of his bed. For years, this was their, I don't want to call it a relationship because that's just, that's how they, that's how they operated. 
snake slept curled up at the end of his bed. And then one morning he woke up. The snake wasn't curled, but the snake was laying long ways. Like, that's weird. Is he sick? I don't know what's going on. Next day, he woke up. He's sleeping long ways. He took the snake to the vet. He's like, hey, what's wrong with my snake? He used to sleep curled up. Now he's sleeping, like, stretched out. And the guy looked, the vet looked at him. He says, you need to get rid of your snake. You need to get rid of your snake because what he's doing is he's measuring you. And the reason he's sleeping stretched out is he's measuring you to see if he's big enough to eat you. That little sin that you leave in your life, that little bit of pride. Well, I've forgiven some people. Have you forgiven all the people who have hurt you? I've gotten rid of most of the bitterness. Have you gotten rid of all of it? Because the little bit that you leave is one day going to be stretching out next to you to see, am I big enough to consume him? Can I consume her yet? Am I big enough to destroy their marriage yet? Am I big enough to rob them of their freedom yet? Am I big enough to steal their identity yet? Am I big enough? It says drive out all, why? Because the fight's not over until it's over. The second principle that we need to know is we need to know which battles to fight. Sometimes we just want to walk around with a sword and just kill everybody. Just going to fight every battle. Listen, part of, part of fighting the fight is knowing which battles to fight. How do I know which battle to fight? If you're out to prove yourself right and somebody else wrong, don't fight it. If you're out to glorify yourself rather than glorifying God, don't fight it. If you have to, to think about it and question it, it's probably not a battle you should fight. Your boss is not the Canaanites. Your neighbor is not Amalek. And I'm, just, I'm just letting you know. If it goes against God's word and his character and the direction of his will for your life, then fight it. Fight for that. Fight against those things. No, this is what God's word says. This is who my God is. This is what he's calling me to do. And anything that tries to come against that or stop that or attack that in any way, you better believe I'm going to fight that. But so much of what we're fighting on social media, you're like, stop it. Stop. It's unnecessary. You waste so much of your time and your energy fighting battles that in the end don't even matter. And then when the time comes for a real battle, you know what we do? It's like, uh, I'm just so exhausted. I don't even know if I could fight right now. Did you see the battle that I just won? Did you see the argument that I just proved my point on Facebook? Did you see all the memes that I posted? Like, hello. How am I supposed to fight? How am I supposed to read my Bible after I've been on Facebook for three hours posting memes and telling everybody why they're wrong and I'm right? How am I supposed to read my Bible now? I don't have time to read my Bible. You want me to do what? Pray? I can't even talk because I'm so hoarse from all of the arguments that I've been in all day about the things that are going on all around the world. You want me to fight for my family? How? What? Why? No, I'm too tired. We just got back from a from a baseball tournament. I'm too tired to fight for my family now. I'll just pay for whatever they want and give them whatever they want, let them do whatever they want. That'll make it go away. You gotta know which battles to fight. Deuteronomy chapter two. As we get into Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding them. He tells them, listen, remember when we were walking through the land and we came to Moab and God says, don't attack the Moabites. She says, I'm not going to be with you if you do that. You go back into Numbers chapter 13. They came back and they're like, we can't take the land. And God's like, all right, you're going to walk around the desert for 40 years. Chapter 14, they're like, my bad, we'll go. They go, oh, 40 years? No, God, we're, we're good. We, we changed our mind. We'll take the land. We'll go to fight right now. And they go running in. God's like, don't do it because I'm not with you. You've already disobeyed me. And they're like, no, God, we promise. Like, we're, we're good. I promise you. Like, I'll never do it again. It's like one of those times where like, you throw out all of your CDs and it's like, God, if you just get me to the next gas station, I'll never listen to Tupac again. Is that just me? That must have just been me. <laughs> like, God, if you, just, if you just go with us now, we'll never disobey you again. We're, we were wrong. We're sorry. You're right. We're the worst. You're the best. You're good looking. We're not attractive. 
Just go with us. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go. They go into battle. And what happens? They get their butts whooped. And it's like, I told you. That's not the battle. That's not the one. You've got to follow me. You got to know what battles to fight. And then the third thing, remember who's fighting for you. Remember who's fighting for you. Because when you go into battle, it's not just you. When you go into battle, God doesn't just like, all right, pat on the butt, go get him, tiger. Go get him, sport. Good luck. I'll be rooting for you. Hope you can pull this one out. No, what does God say? He says, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight with you. One last scripture and then we'll be done. At that time, Moses says, I gave Joshua this charge. You have seen for yourself everything that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So as they moved up along the east side of the river, the victory that they had been given, go back. That was my, that was my John Weasel version. Everything that he's done to these two kings, he says he will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side. West side? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> do not be afraid of the nations there, he says. Why? For the Lord your God will fight for you. The Lord your God will fight for you. Who's going to fight for you? God is going to fight for you. As you fight the battles that he's called you to fight, as you fight the battles he's instructed you to fight, know that it's not just you out there by yourself, but God is fighting with you and he's fighting for you. And in the fight, when you look to the right, who are you going to see? God. And when you look to the left, who are you going to see? Who's covering your six? God is. And when you look around, there should be people in your small group and people that you're serving with. Because at this point, we've already said yes, and we're not content to sit anymore. So now we have community of people around us. So it's us fighting and our friends fighting. And God is going with us and before us and around us, fighting the battle for us to ensure that we walk in the fullness of the victory that he's already procured for us to have. The question is, question is, are you just going to sit in the truck? Are you just going to sit in the truck or are you going to do something? Are you content with where you're at? Are you willing to take the steps necessary to walk in the fullness of freedom and abundance and peace and love and joy? You're willing to fight for your family and the legacy that God has created you to leave. Are you willing to fight for your school? Are you willing to fight for your neighborhood? Are we willing to fight for our city? God, there's lost people in our city that don't know you. And God, send somebody. <laughs> God's like, okay, go. No, God, I said somebody. Okay, go. No, somebody else. God, all these people, I hope, I hope there's somebody that can just share your love with them. All these things that we could do, if somebody would just give. We, we need a new building. Okay. What are you willing to do? We need to, to reach foster kids. Okay. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to invest of your time, of your talent? You're willing to make that commitment. I don't just want to sit anymore. I don't want to just be the extra in the battle that's standing in the back going like this. Not really doing anything. I want to be the one with face paint on. I want to be the one getting after it. I want to be the one that are, is witnessing and sharing the love of Christ and dragging people out of the grasp of the enemy and into abundant life in Christ. I want to be one. God, if, if you're looking to use anybody, God, use me. God, if you're looking for a church to use, God, use us. Lord, today, may we not be content to just sit and observe. May we not be content to get fat in Moab. May we not be content to just look over the river into the promised land and what you have, have promised and the abundance that you have for us. 
and just say, you know what? I think we're good here. I think we'll just set up our tents. We'll build some cities on this side and we'll be all right. But God, today as we go from this place, Lord, I pray the spirit of a warrior upon us. Lord, even as Ephesians says, we don't, we don't fight flesh and blood, but it's principalities and it's powers and it's rulers of the darkness. So Lord, help us to take up our helmet and our shield. May we put on the belt of truth and cover our feet. God, may we pick up the sword of the spirit, which is your word. God, as we march into the battles that you have called us to fight, we thank you that we are not fighting for victory or for freedom, but because you have already been victorious, we fight from a place of freedom and victory. You've already secured the victory, Lord. I just pray that you would give us the strength, the determination, the dedication to walk it out today. And then tomorrow, whatever battles we face, God, may we walk it out tomorrow. May we not get distracted by all of the other things and all the potential skirmishes, but God, may we keep the main thing the main thing as we follow you, as we love you with all of our hearts and as we love those around us. God, I thank you for the victory. Thank you that the battle's won. God, today we just reconfirm and place our trust in you. For those of us here today watching or, or watching online and maybe we haven't placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe we haven't taken that step. That's the first step of the battle to join the army. Sign up, enlist. What do I have to do? All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. Call upon the name of the Lord. If you do, you will be saved. Lord, today we call upon you. We ask you to come into our hearts, to come into our lives, to change us, transform us into your image. Go with us this week. Give us opportunities to be salt and to be light. We love you. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Prayer team, if you would come down here, listen, this morning as you're being dismissed, if there is something that you have need of, you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, our prayer team will be down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If not, feel free, feel free to be dismissed. Love you, church. Have a great day. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.